Hey, I'm Roberta Plevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked and the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates as we debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, frauds, scams, and multi-level marketing. Join us for a month of holiday magic with the stories and guests that you've been asking for. Happy holidays, Huns. Hey, Hunbots and Hun Bros. Welcome to the fourth day of holiday magic. I hope you have been enjoying so far. Today, we're headed to church with the Reverend Jen and King James of Fundy Fridays. I know there's a lot of you right now who are so excited saying, this is the crossover I've been waiting for. I am so excited. We've been trying to record for a while. We even had technical difficulties in this episode. The powers that be did not want us talking to each other, but we made it happen anyway. This is a really great episode that is filled with laughs and stories and lots of topics. We talk about purity culture. We talk about the Duggars. We talk about MLM parties. We talk about joining MLMs. We talk about the history of MLMs. There's a little bit of everything in this for everybody. I'm just so happy that Jen, James, and I were able to sit down and talk, and I cannot wait to have them back. We've had a busy week over here gearing up for the holidays. Jaja got a haircut, and she's so stinking cute. They left her legs all big, so it looks like she's wearing, like, wide leg trousers. It is, it is hilarious. I posted a picture because they got a bow in her hair, and she's just so not, like, a bow in her hair kind of dog. (laughs) It's hilarious. For those of you that like the Zsa content, definitely check out the picture on Instagram because it is so cute. And Abby had her first winter formal, and our girl looked so good. I'm just so proud of her. She got straight A's this semester and she's just killing it. And that kid is so smart and so kind and so wonderful. And every now and then I just have to brag because she's a good one. But if you want to see her cute, adorable little blue sequiny Taylor Swift Midnight's inspired dress with her little white fur coat, it's on Instagram as well. And um, she reads all the comments and it just she just gets filled with dopamine She really appreciates all the compliments and says thank you and sends her love. Now, if you'll get settled, church service is about to begin. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. I am really excited because I'm taking you to church today. We're going to go to church and we have the Reverend Jen and King James of Fundy Fridays here with us. You guys have been asking for a really long time and it's finally here. Happy December. It's here. Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. Happy December. We're happy to be here. Happy holidays. So good. So many people have been like, you need to talk to Jen. Do you know Fundy Fridays? You should. I was like, yes. And then we got to do the shiny, happy people after show together. And people were like, oh, my God, and have been begging since. And so I was like, (laughs) we will will get it done. Timing. I I feel like you were saying like the divine cosmos are like these people shall not speak. (laughs) So many things we had to reschedule. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell the podcast. We first we were going to do it in the summer or maybe it was 
there was another heat wave in in yeah. September and our HVAC went out. And so we were just miserable in the heat and we couldn't do it. And then the second time we were going to do it, I had a tooth break. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to get emergency surgery and then here we are. Yeah. And here we are. It happened nonetheless. So it worked out. Let's just do quick introductions for anybody who's listening and who has no idea what Fundy Fridays is, has no idea who you guys are. Tell us who you are and uh, what you do. Well, I'm Jen and this is James and he is my husband now. When I first started the channel, he was just my boyfriend and we were living in sin. Um, <laughs> and I have a YouTube channel about different aspects of Christian fundamentalism and how it intersects with American conservative politics, pop culture. I like to say gay stuff now. That's because we're both queer and it's just funny because like we just have that level of comedy that only like jaded bisexual people <laughs> understand. Yeah. yeah. Those people appreciate us quite a bit, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> That's our and crowd. It's the fruity factor. It is. It is. There you go. Ooh, I like that. I'm the edge. That. You were kind of raised somewhat religious, but I've kind of been raised like atheist my whole life. And so I approach all of these things with a, like a hopeful curiosity. And of course, I find lots of bad stuff, and that's what we talk about and what we make fun of. And I like to think that making fun of it helps give people their power back. But like, I just approach it in a different way that a lot of other like, quote unquote, atheist creators approach things. I try to see where they're coming from and what they believe and, and just very curious. I've always been interested in other religions because I didn't have one. We have a good time <laughs> on my channel. I taught myself how to do everything, write, film, edit. And you can really see because the finished product is very authentic, authentically me. Mm -hmm. I'm James King James. You may know me from my novel. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I came into the show. I mean, well, hold on a second, oh, because you can really co-opt the Taylor's version with the King James <laughs> yep. and really have some fun with that. Okay, so the fans started calling me Reverend Jen, and then they, once you joined in, they called you King James. Yes, it was a very natural title, and <laughs> it just seemed to kind of lock in. Almost like you were born for it. Hey, when God calls you, you do not hesitate. <laughs> Sorry, I've been quoting Sound of Freedom since I did that episode. Oh, God. <sighs> but I actually joined into the channel later when the channel was first fledgling. I was in grad school. A lot of people, fans of the channel, knew me as a caseworker because that's where I started. I did mental health casework and job placement type work. And then I moved into like human resources. And then I started out just a little bit. Jen would be like, hey, can you read this script over? And then, hey, can you help me with this section? And hey, can you help me with this? And over time, I just was doing more and more. And it kept bumping into politics, which I've been a civics <laughs> geek since I was little. So I would come in to like read an electoral map or, or see how an election went out. And one thing led to another. And now I'm doing this full time just like she is. So yeah. everything she taught herself to do in a weekend she then taught me how to do in a weekend so that's how incredible now he Jen teaches is. me stuff like <laughs> i'm very stubborn when it comes to learning new things in premiere because i just can't be bothered and he's like how would you do this and this and i'm like that takes too long yeah but my videos have more mistakes in them than his <laughs> too <laughs> well but you also don't get stuck for five hours trying to figure out how to make the little go-kart go across the screen because it's very important for the joke so yeah you know there's give and take with our methods all of this is so relatable <laughs> so relatable and people are listening that don't create content are like what 
It's so relatable. Teaching, learning, falling into something, being like, I don't know, people liked it. So I made another one (laughs) and just sort of going like, that's the whole basis of how I got started too. So like, it's very cool to see that that's how you guys also got started was like, I want to make this thing. I don't know how to do it. Google how to edit. You learn, you go, you get better. It's almost like this living document of your growth and your education over the last however many years. It's really cool. Yeah, and a lot of my like most famous edits that I've done, because like if you've never watched my channel, like every now and then I make little like music videos out of clips, or like I do a full on music video, or like I do little editing jokes here and there. And a lot of those are from like I needed to learn how to do something. And mm-hmm. so I made a little thing out of it and it was funny. And so I used it. I love that. I really do. So let's talk about, you know, you sort of just fell into it. So let's talk about what your inspiration, like what caused you to even make the first video to begin with? Well, I had been into, I don't even know if we called it Fundy Snark back then, but I had been into learning about the Duggars. I got really into Free Ginger, which is the OG place that people would snark on fundies. And I would just... As a hobby, I would just info dump on my friends and, hey, you got to watch this. And I'd make them watch 19 Kids and Counting with me. And, and I'd be like, did you know this and this? And then around that time, let's see, it was 2019. Give it a yep. Like makeup YouTube was really big. And then like, of course, true crime became a huge thing around that time. And I was watching, well, my roommate was watching a lot of Bailey Sarian, who used to do, I think she does it now, but she also has like another podcast murder mystery and makeup Mondays. And so my roommate, who is my best friend from childhood, she said, well, why don't you do Fundy Fridays? And she was joking, but I was serious. <laughs> so, and of course I've been watching YouTube forever. I hardly ever watch TV or movies. I've just watched YouTube. So like, I kind of knew, I didn't know how to make content, but I knew like what good content looked like. So I tried my best. I used to film on my phone I worked at a place where I had a lot of free time. It was like not even a small business, like a micro business. I was literally the only person there. And so I would film on my phone and then I would edit at work when I should have been cleaning or something, (laughs) but whatever (laughs) it turned out well. So, and I did that because James went to grad school and you had to go once a summer for a whole two weeks. Yeah. It was very weird. Make you stay in the dorms and stuff. Well, for um, the first year, I stayed in an Airbnb the second year, which was much nicer. <laughs> and so I was lonely and <laughs> bored and I made it and I made my friends watch it. And they were like, oh, this is great. Probably didn't think anything of it. And I've since redone. My first video ever was a Duggar video, but I've deleted it. And now it's lost to the ether. And I wish that I had it because that would be amazing to react to. Right. I was thinking, ooh, reacting to first content. It was also like seven minutes, which is hilarious now that we're now we're getting known for this accidentally producing feature length stuff every week. It's just not our intention. It happens by accident. But (laughs) you said, Jen, that you grew up atheist, that there was really no religion at all, which made you curious. But James, you said that there was a little bit. So what were the influences in your life that were Christian? Sure. So I had kind of an interesting approach to Christianity, and I joked that, and I love my family to death, they were always kind of searching for something. They were always searching for faith, but they never stick with anything very long. I think whether just boredom or it didn't line up quite right. My family was also very critical of faith. Like if they didn't like what they heard, they would leave. So 
we went to a little church when I was a kid for a little while. And that church, I remember it formed a lot of my understanding of the Bible. And that's because that church was very almost the opposite of fundamentalism. Their take on the Bible was there's nothing in this book that's literal. It's all a metaphor. And you need to find the metaphorical meaning of every bit of it. And that's what they were. Yeah, that is the opposite of what we're usually doing. Yeah. They're like, assume it's all false. So much interpretation. Yeah. They did like very intense Bible study. It was crazy. But then my grandparents got bored and we didn't do it anymore. Cut to when I got to high school, my big engagement with it, as I always tell people, was my little three amigos of high school was kind of odd because there was atheist agnostic me, a liberal Presbyterian, and a conservative Southern Baptist. Oh, wow. And that was the group of guys I hung out with. And between those two... An atheist, a Southern Baptist, yeah, we and were a Presbyterian walk into a youth group. Yeah, walk into a lock-in. <laughs> because ironically, they both did a lot of church activities, and I didn't, I was the, you know, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't go anywhere. They would be like, hey, I, I remember very distinctly, I was used to pad lock-in numbers a lot of times. Like, my friends would call me and be like, hey, dude, they wanted to do this lock-in for the younger kids, and they're saying, like, nobody showed up. Are you doing anything tonight? Can you come over and hang out? We've got Guitar Hero and Pizza. And I'm like, you had me at Guitar Hero and Pizza. Like, I'm like, cool. And lock-ins are great when you're 17 because nobody can keep you in that building. I have car keys. I don't know what you're This is before, you know, social media, so you're bored. (laughs) You're a lock-in ringer. They're like, come hang. James is going to be there. Yeah, I was. (laughs) I would stack the numbers. And I was a high schooler with a big beard. And, I, you know, I'd come in and the kids thought I was cool. You had a big beard in high We'd, school? We'd, you know, play through the fire and the flames on medium and impress them and leave. I'm really glad that you're a good person because <laughs> it really it just shows, like, they were going to have just a random guy spend the night with these kids. A random guy with a full beard. Well, they knew me. I did their talent shows. I played their video games. I did their stuff. This came in when I was young. I have had facial hair relatively young. But so just be- but between those two guys, I saw <laughs> the best and worst of Christianity all the time. And it wasn't always from the one you would think of. You know, sometimes the Southern Baptist would shock me and do- say something really interesting and clever. And sometimes <laughs> the Presbyterian would have some growth to go through. And there I was in the middle, just kind of balancing everything out. And so I've said, like, especially Jen and I talk a lot about when you grow up in the Midwest, you're even if you're not religious yourself, you're never more than a degree away from it. Yeah. And so these are your neighbors. They're your friends. You learn to, you know, see them as people. Even if I don't share that faith, like you remind me of my friends back in the day. You remind me of these conversations. And Jen jokes, you know, she would info dump when we started dating, you know, you spend a lot of time together. And I was just like, Duggars, yeah, let's do it. This is wild. What people would be shocked to know is that my obsession at the time of dating you was K-pop. Yes. So imagine the alternate universe where I became like a K-pop stan account instead of Bundy Friday's. K-pop Wednesdays. Worse. That would be a good, a good like skit we could do. Oh my gosh. See, bless her heart. I feel bad. She had to deal with my transitioning fandom because when we started dating, I was all into wrestling and I still love wrestling. And then I became an NFL fan, like right in the middle of the I relationship. Didn't sign up for this. I snuck that up on you, and I'm sorry. I reconnected with football. Yeah, wrestling is fun. <laughs> <laughs> football is sweaty dudes and cat management. And hot wings. I'm all about the football snacks. You want to watch a football game? If there's snacks, I'll watch it. <laughs> well, we do. Well, we ha- haven't done it in a long time, but we used to do a big WrestleMania party. Yeah, back in the like day. A, like a- that was our Super Bowl was WrestleMania. <laughs> no, that's really cool. So, Jen, you grew up without any church influence. So were you like me where you would try to like have slumber parties with your friends that went to church so that you could go to church with them on Sunday and like do some spy reconnaissance? 
I wanted to go to church. Yes. Which is so funny because, yeah, people will be like, oh, I hated going to church. I had to go to my friend's house or whatever. And I'm like, I wanted to go. I went to a lot of church services just like on the backs of my friends. Where I was like, I'll spend the night Saturday night. Where are we going? I had been to a church. I think the most influence I had was I was a Girl Scout for a few years and that's where our meetings were was at oh, okay. this one church I don't know what denomination it was but I remember we did this little light of mine and I was like getting a real kick out of it and then they also had we'd have to say grace when we had our snack but it was we thank you for this food lord for mom and dad and you it was Adam's family oh <laughs> oh my gosh the tune of the Adam's family that's really funny I also went, this has been a really interesting year because I've done a lot of episodes because of how MLMs, which we'll, we'll talk about shortly, how MLMs like converge with religion because of like, you have to stay home, but we also need money because inflation and this whole thing. And I started digging into this because I was curious. And the more I talked to people, the more I was like, why do I connect with that story? Like, why do I also have a similar story? Like I wasn't raised Christian. And then we come to find out that my mother had read James Dobson books when I was a child to like, you know, rear me up. But I also went to Christian summer camp and completely forgot that it was Christian summer camp. <laughs> you blacked it out for good reason, probably. Well, it was really fun. <laughs> and we did all kinds of and I also did Girl Scouts. So it was like for me, it was like camping, like archery and swimming and camping and going down to the creek and the lake and like catching frogs and like eating the berries and doing all the things. Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. Right. And it wasn't super churchy, except we always said grace when we ate and we had like a prayer at night. There was always like one big prayer. And then we did like a big sing along in this outdoor amphitheater. It was really cool. But one night, it was usually the last night before we went home the next day, there was a church service in this outdoor. It was really cool. Like outdoor benches with like an A-frame church. And then we would have like a dance that night. And I loved the dance because I'm all about the dancing. And one of the fun things that you could do after lunch, because you have like breakout groups to do all these different activities was like line dancing and like folk dancing. So we would learn all these dances. And then at the dance, they would play those songs and all the kids that had learned the dances would do these line dances and these like ridiculous things. It was really fun. And so I always really looked forward to that dance. But I remember specifically that they did not play slow songs because they did not want us yep. slow dancing with each other. Leave room for Jesus. And then there was a girl's hill and a boy's hill. And we were not allowed to hang out except for like these very specific times where like girls cabin A and boys cabin A would be group A and like we would go on hikes together. But aside from like the one night that we would sleep outside in the wilderness as a group, that was the only night that the girls and the boys and we even had to sleep on opposite sides with like the counselors in the middle. Wow. And so it's really interesting to like <laughs> think about that because I didn't understand purity culture as a kid, but understanding purity culture now and thinking back to the time being in Christian summer camp and going, oh, okay. It's so subtle. There's some more of that stuff I'm connecting with. So it's interesting that you, like, we were raised similar, like, well, there wasn't really like a religious theme or anything. And it kind of caused us to have a little bit of FOMO for our friends that were raised that way. Yeah. We were like, I want to go to church and eat the little thing. Like, I just, yeah. I wanted to do it was just the same way that I want to like go to a different amusement park or go play on that playground because I'm just naturally curious and I'm just like well what happens behind those closed doors 
it's interesting that you had a similar. Yeah. And just like that, you got purity culture as well. We had modesty assemblies for the girls only. They did not have the boys in the modesty assemblies. <laughs> and we had strictly abstinence only sex education. It was worthless. And this like, is a public school, by the way, that she's referencing. This is not a, this is a public school. It's just the culture. I don't remember any of that in our public schools, but I'm from Southern California. <laughs> yeah, y'all don't put up with the stuff they put up with here. We were like church like, and state, boom. Yeah. What I heard was church state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what Missouri said. Yeah, so you guys are from Missouri in the Bible Belt, right there in the smack dab mm. in the middle of it all. The uh, buckle of the damn thing. <laughs> the buckle. The buckle of the of the Bible Belt. Absolutely. It's interesting that you had modesty and like purity classes in public elementary school, middle school, high school, what? Because I guess that's just like, that's what society was. So they, you know, they didn't see anything wrong with it. And they would start those at like middle school, I think. Okay. Yeah. We had a abstinence assembly that was parentheses. The side story is that the woman had HIV and she was like explaining how if she had just done abstinence, her whole life wouldn't be like this. And that was in eighth grade. And then they did it again in ninth grade. So I got to do it two years in a row. Just really bringing it home just in case. Well, funny, she had a pyramid. She made a pyramid out of these blocks and the blocks were supposed to be like daddy's love, respect from peers, like just different things. And she's like, well, my dad walked out on us and then she would rip the block out from the bottom and it would topple. And we're like, so now you have HIV? How does this connect? <laughs> what? This movie sucks. But like they, they tried to do it so that it wasn't shaming people with HIV, but they made it weird. Because she'd be like, me and my husband, we can still kiss. And then they'd go, we can still hug, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, we were not mature enough to understand the complexities of this. And my teacher, who was like, you know, you'd go to like homeroom or whatever, and then you'd go to this assembly. The teacher that I had was also evangelical. And she didn't push it down our throats. But like, I'm remembering little comments that she would make. Like we were debriefing after this assembly and she'd be like, well, she's right. You should save sex for marriage. And I'm like, oh, you're so crazy. But now I'm like, what the fuck? Were you saying that to me in eighth grade public school? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's just from the people who are like, don't sexualize our children. It's the same people that are sexualizing our children. It's the same ones. Yeah. It's an evangelical person is like, save your, save your, your flower for that your husband on your wedding night. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, you don't know any of this stuff until she brings it up. And then you're like, what is this? <laughs> And it's always the woman's fault. It's just really strange. And I'm saying some of them boys needed that modesty assembly more than we did. <laughs> no, see, the I always... they were wearing them basketball shorts. Disgusting. <laughs> or then back in the day when they cut the sleeves out and they had the basically full, turning the shirt nipples. into a smock. That's yeah. okay. But a shoulder. Oh, <laughs> girls got sent home. They had to wear like a shame t-shirt from the lost and found if they showed their shoulders. Yeah. And it's like, this was the 2010. So like, off the shoulder was super popular. So, <laughs> and see, I had the exact opposite experience because I grew up in the college town half an hour away from her. My lesson was I had a teacher, a health teacher who she had taken, our school had taken the state's abstinence only money. They took the Bush money. And so they were like, you have to use this curriculum. And she would go, all right, kids, here's the part I have to legally say. 
Abstinence is the only 100% effective way to prevent pregnancy and is generally accepted. Like by a your... hostage. Yeah. And then she go, all right, now that's out of the way. Condoms. Like, and then, cause she became the president of our like state teachers association, like a couple of years later, but she was like a good lesson in here's what I have to do. And here's reality. So I got really lucky. Yeah. We also shared a nurse through like all the schools. Not us. Yeah, we didn't go to the same school. One nurse? Like high school and middle school shared one nurse and one counselor. So it's not like... It wasn't a priority. Yeah, I'm looking back. I'm like, this is awful. My high school had two (laughs) just for us. Also a public high school. Well, you weren't going to find condoms at the nurse's office is what I was trying to say. Yeah, that's really (laughs) just... That's not my experience in high school like at all. And so it's really (laughs) interesting, I guess, to hear those particular curriculums in the Bible Belt and what it looked like, we, I'm, I'm sure, I, it was never something that came up, but I'm sure if there was somebody in the nurse's office that needed something. I mean, our nurse was super cool. She would talk to us about whatever we needed, was always there for whatever we needed. It was really, really cool. I was one of her assistants my senior year in, in high school, and it was a really cool experience. I, I was like, I really like this lady. She's probably one of my favorite faculty members of all of the faculty members. The Bible Belt nurses just are built different. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she was lovely. I never saw her. <laughs> I don't know her name or what she we, looked like. Ours was Nurse Wendy, and she was the best. So yeah, so one of the things, and we'll we'll just talk about this a little bit because I know it's going to come up for you in the future, and I had reached out to you in the past about it, and it kind of goes with the Bible Belt in Missouri and Kansas and all of this, is there's this cult which came on my radar because of my friend Michelle. And we'll get into this later. Again, this is probably like a 2024 topic, but we're just giving you guys a little sprinkling of, of what's to come. There's a cult out of Kansas City that's called IHOP, and it's not the breakfast place. It is the International House of Prayer, and IHOP, which is the International House of Pancakes, was not so keen on them also using that. So now they have to call themselves IHOP KC. Yep. So it's not just IHOP anymore. I think, are there other ones though, right? I think they've been branching off. I think there are. Well, I remember I knew about IHOP before I started the channel because we're from central Missouri. So we go to the sides, we go to St. Louis and Kansas city for like concerts and stuff. And we had been coming back from something and I saw it and I was like, what is it? That's, that sounds silly. And I Googled it and I was like, international house of prayer. That's crazy. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And then I did an episode about it and my episode, I'm just not very proud of it because it uses like a large portion of somebody else's video. And I don't like to do that anymore, but I am, well, I'm trying to update it next year. So we'll have to, we'll have to chat. I mean, you were saying that like a lot of people, like after I had kind of casually been like, Hey, what about IHOP? I guess I opened the floodgates because then your listeners started asking about IHOP. That often happens. Like I did an episode about Hillsong and then two days later, the, uh, it wasn't two days, but the, oh, which one is he? Johnston? What? Yeah. The guy from Hillsong, the, the Australian one. Oh, yeah. um, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. There's Carl so many of them. I, no, that's, you're thinking of Carl Lentz. I am thinking of Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz is the one that was the head of Hillsong NYC. Cause the head of Hillsong, the Australian one, everybody says go. he sounds like the shark from Finding Nemo. Oh, yeah. Because he's got a real deep voice. And I totally, I can't even think of his name right now. And I literally just did a Hillsong episode. The thing is, it's like, I know a little bit about a lot of different things. Yes. But like, I cram 
like I'm studying for a test. So like I'll know everybody's name and dates for the episode. And then the, by the next episode, it's like wiped out. Absolutely. It is exactly the same <laughs> to me because people will say like, hey, do you have an episode about blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, I feel like I do, but I don't remember. Yeah, we've had that happen a couple <laughs> yep. times. I think so. I think I made a video. I think I made a podcast. I'm not sure. Ask my followers. They would know better than yeah. me <laughs> because they are the fans. They know. Yeah, and then someone's like, oh, it's episode 83. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there it you is. You know the number. Awesome. Yeah, that's how you know you have good fans. I know that, like, because, well, what you were talking about, Roberta, because I read a lot of the messages. That's one of the things I do, like, when people send messages to us, just because I, I like doing that. And I will kind of keep track of, like, if something's getting mentioned a little bit more than something else. If I keep seeing the same name get brought up over and over in a short capacity, that'll ring an alarm bell. And I remembered... It was Brian Houston. Houston. Brian Houston. That's his name. That has nothing to do with that. He says it like He's like, Brian Houston. Oh, Brian Houston. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but right after you brought it up the first time, Roberta, I noticed I was like, now everybody's mentioning IHOP. What is going on over there? Oh. Like all of a sudden you're like, are there pieces moving? Is there something I should be aware of? Yeah. You know, it reminds me of that like Domino's Pizza CIA scale. Mm -hmm. Like back in the day, they used to be able to track if somebody was about to get invaded by the number of pizzas being delivered to the CIA office from this certain Domino's. Because that, would meant, stay up that all meant they were staying all night and you only stayed all night if they were going to invade. By the way, fun fact, there's a whole protocol for ordering pizza now at the CIA. You have to do it yep. through like back channels and they have to come through a secret entrance and they can't use the same car. It's a whole thing. But... If somebody, if I start... They should just get a pizza oven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you put a Domino's in there? Just open up a Domino's in the CIA. <laughs> 24 hour, like on a cruise ship, you know, where you can just go and get a slice of pizza 24-7. That's what they need at the CIA offices. Well, supposedly the Pentagon has a subway. There is a Google map listing for a subway inside the Pentagon. Out of all the sandwich shops... I would vote Jersey Mike's over Subway. Subway will build in a broom closet if you let them. That's the reason. Subway is the spirit Halloween of food. They will build <laughs> anywhere. Oh, that submarine that guy runs with a Mad Cats controller needs oh. food? Yeah, we'll put a Subway in there. They would have done it. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. 
Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. So let's talk a little bit about Shiny Happy People because so many of my listeners watched it. Just it opened up so many eyes to so many people. The Duggars were, like you said, a fascination for so many people. I think there was a lot of people that maybe there's three camps. There were the people that were like, I'm not watching that. That's ridiculous, which was kind of me. I didn't really watch it. Then there are the people that are like, oh, I'm hate watching this because it's a train wreck and I can't wait for it to crash, which seems maybe you. And then there's the Mm -hmm. people that are like, this is what I wish I could have in my future. I want to be a homesteading mother of 19 children. They're so beautiful and the Christian values. And this is what I want in my life. So we now know that it was not so shiny or happy, not so great for the Duggar family, not so great for a lot of people. We've had Chad came on and did some Patreon exclusive stuff. He's going to come on later. Oh, nice. Uh, And we had Lindsay came on the show. Also talked to Floyd and Tara who are, fantastic and wonderful and great you should just go down the whole list (laughs) i know i'm gonna hit up everybody eventually every single iblp shiny happy person will be on the show (laughs) and i get to check you off now too because you were on it as well one of the things because i was on a documentary i like to talk to people who were in documentaries about their experience filming i already know that Corey and Lai are just fantastic people but what was your experience filming shiny happy people like it was crazy like because i'm sure you felt similar because you were like a regular person (laughs) when you were in this like just a regular old person yeah i wasn't like my channel hadn't even gotten big at the time so i was like i 
I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I was like, why do they even want to talk to me? Especially when I found out, oh, the survivors are the real stars of this thing. Like they're the ones that people are latching onto as they should be. They, you know, after everything they went through, they should be the stars of this thing. So I was just like, why do you even want to talk to me? And blah, blah, blah. And I remember I even talked to Corey. I was like, why do you want me to like be a part of this? Like these people are so much more important than me. And she's like, we picked you for a reason. You're smart and blah, 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 all this stuff. So that was super sweet. Yeah. And like becoming friends with all the people. It's like, yeah, it's a dream come true. But yeah, I had a great time. I think we were either first you or were very early. We were in like the, at the in beginning because we did it in 20. God, I don't even know. 20, we filmed it in December of 2021. I know it because one of the famous stories I so always tell surrounding it is my old boss I had already resigned to start working on Fundy Fridays full time. And then this happened and I needed, I wanted to go to support. And they were like, we can't technically give you vacation because you've already resigned. But my boss like basically took my letter a week late and helped let me go. So I know it was always December of 2021. I'll remember that. So two years ago you filmed. Yep. Yeah. Josh Duggar was, it was his trial. Because I remember I wanted to go live on Instagram the second that the verdict came out because I was keeping very close eye on it. And that was the same morning that I had like a preliminary meeting with them. I was fidgeting the whole time. I was like, I can't get on there. And then I had to pretend like I didn't just have like a life altering phone call. <laughs> Filming in December of 2021, that was like two or three months after Lula Rich came out. And I remember them telling me because I, I was asking them like, hey, and they're like, we're already working on our next project. I was like, it just came out. They're like, yeah, we already started filming. And I was like, what? Well, I didn't know until doing this, just how many years things can take to, yeah. mm -hmm. to make. Isn't that wild? We filmed mm -hmm. Lula Rich in, I was one of the first people they interviewed. They interviewed Mark and Deanne and then Lachey and Daryl because they were all up in Corona. And then they drove down to San Diego and filmed with me. And then they flew away. And this was in November of 2020 because it was right after the election wild I, it's wild to think that it was three years ago and then it came out like a year after i filmed and that the how quickly they filmed recorded edited and put out lula rich i mean they did it in under a year mm -hmm. and then they did shiny happy people and it's so wild how wonderful these films were and how quickly they were able to turn them out and get these incredible reactions from the public well it's crazy because we make little tiny not even documentaries, but they're you know, pretty long. And I just think about like the process of documentary making, like you get all these people's stories and then you're like, how can I weave this into a larger narrative? What, you know, what do I include? What do I not include? Like now all this new information just came out and it's just really cool to see how it came together because they had me, I sat for four hours, the same like this Paul Morgan. And they asked me about every little possible thing. Olivia was interviewing me like off to the side and she was so knowledgeable. Like there was stuff where I was like, I can't remember this certain person's name. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. And I remember they even were like, oh, can you tell us which wisdom booklets you're going to be talking about or whatever? And then she printed them out. So it's not a part of the documentary, but there's like, there was a scene I remember holding it up being like, it's this one, blah, blah, you know. And I didn't know what they were going to do with anything. And it was just, it just looked so good. I remember... I was so impressed by all the camera equipment and everything. Like they had this one that's on like a track. Like a dolly. And there was yeah. like a guy hiding in the corner getting like the side shots. And he just stood there for four hours. <laughs> but it looks so good. 
So glad that you had a great experience as well. Everybody that I talked to that has worked with that team just adores them. They're wonderful. Still friends to this day, still keep in contact three years later. And just really cool. And it, and it, it makes me really happy to know that that's continued with other people and that other people are having really great experiences with that team as well because they make phenomenal documentaries. Yeah. And it's hard. Well, at the time, I don't know if you were making content, but it's really hard to like let go, letting somebody else have creative control of something. And you just had to trust that they would do a good job. And I was just blown away. And of course they didn't tell us about any of the stars that were going to be in this thing. So I was just, I was shocked just like everybody else. Oh, really? Because we had joked when I was getting my makeup done, we were like, oh, you know, I wonder who they're going to get because they were like, I think the, I don't know if she was supposed to tell us, but the makeup artist was like, oh yeah, there's this Christian couple coming in after you. And me and James were like, I bet it's the Holtz. We thought and, it was the Holtz. But we were like, no way. No, <laughs> I remember we distinctly said in the car ride back, I went, we know they didn't get Jill or someone. So maybe there's they no got, way. maybe they got the Holtz. Like maybe that's who they got. And Literally. then we find out later that it was the Holtz and Amy and her husband were in the same hotel that we were and they filmed like later than us and just if you had gotten down to get ice at the yep. wrong time you would have saw them they like wouldn't i, said, know I we always were, joke but... about the moment that never happened of me and jim holt in our gym shorts and tank tops with ice buckets <laughs> we're just gonna agree that or we were both of our partners we need were ice. attached to a mall that's this hotel was but like and a really expensive fancy it was like mall. a luxury mall we didn't buy anything you walk out and there's I like felt... a coach store and i'm like nope this is not meant for me and i was in like pajamas and i i have this like very bright pastel rainbow cardigan that i like to wear and it goes all the way down to my legs it covers my whole body i love it and i was wearing that and i'm like i am underdressed these people are rich there's like a Cartier store. There's like a Gucci store. Like, But we looked around and everybody was like that because we were all just wandering around from the hotel. But I'm saying like, can you imagine if we had run into somebody? Oh, at- well, <laughs> those people, those people in particular, maybe. But I will say, I yeah, want to say fun. you were talking about just how great this team was. And I know that was the moment that it hit for me when we got to the filming location and they had set up the filming area for you. And it just hit me because I looked at it and they had made it look just like something you would have made. And they were yeah, like, they put, my want- little, they put like a little moon phase like pillow and they made it all purple and that, cute. I forgot about that because they put the moon face the pillow details. on. They were like, we tried to design it to be like your style and they put the moon face pillow on. We have that same pillow in our house. We've never shown it. They just happened to get something we owned that no one had ever seen. And I'm like, that's the quality of work you're dealing with here with the people working on this. See, I had no idea that you were on any set at all. I just figured that you were at your house in like some corner because they filmed me at my house. No, it was an Airbnb. They did a really good job of decorating the set for you. I think they used the success of your thing to get more (laughs) money to do the things they did for our thing. I want to talk while we're at it. You used to be, you still are, I guess, like one of your special interests was MLMs. Yes. You had, we watched Lula Rich together. Yes. And I've been, and I mean, (laughs) I remember Roberta seeing you in the first Vice documentary, like way back in the day. Yeah. Well, and that's been a thing for me for a long time. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to hijack, but the MLM stuff is has been a thing for me for years, in part because of my now deceased grandfather. It was a big deal to him. I don't know why, honestly. He never talked about getting caught in an MLM. He never said anything. He hated them, like viciously. I wonder if he lost somebody to Amway or something, you know, like if he had a friend that disappeared or something. I went to two 
MLM, or I scheduled two MLM interviews and went to a third by accident. And my grandpa's the one that made me call and cancel the Cutco one. Cause he's like, that's not a real job. That's reset. It's not a, if he's like, if they make you pay to get trained, they're not a job. You're a customer. You're not an employee. You're a customer. That's what he told me. I wonder if there was anything in his past, like he lost a friend to Amway or something like that. That's all I can think of is that he must have lost somebody or gotten tricked or something. What does Amway sell? Everything. Insurance? Yeah. Oh. They're like the Walmart of MLMs. They, yeah, they okay. sell You everything. want something, Amway has somebody that sells it. Yeah, they used to sell famous Amos cookies. You, you could buy your famous Amos cookies through Amway. They have a lot of brand partnerships like that. Weird. Maybe that's what the Amos stands for. <laughs> I can also buy those at the grocery store. And I believe they're more expensive, but you don't get PV or whatever they call it in Amway if you buy it at the grocery store. Or I could inconveniently order them to a friend's house. Yeah. <laughs> or it reminds me of that. I saw there was like on Family Guy 20 years ago, Lois was like selling something in an MLM and they're like, what's the difference between this and the one at the grocery store? And she goes, well, this has been in my car for four hours. <laughs> This one's almost expired. (laughs) It is really interesting being in an MLM and talking about MLMs and understanding MLMs and then seeing them pop up in TV shows that I watched previously. And I was like, oh, I loved this episode. I had no idea. Like, yeah, it's really interesting to see just how much MLM like jokes and pop culture references are put into popular television Mm -hmm. shows. Like. Almost every TV show I've watched has at least an MLM episode. Because I think we've all had a run-in with them at some point. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's America. There's all there's somebody waiting around every corner to trick you and take your money. Yeah. Proselytize something. Yeah. Do you watch Sister Wives? You would think I would. I don't. But I kind of keep <laughs> yeah, up we on were... it because of different people on TikTok. You know? Like, I'll watch their recaps. And I'm like, okay. Okay, I think I know what's going on. Well, all of them have an MLM that they do. Right. Yeah. Yes, Mary was in LuLaRoe with me. I think she's still she still in is. Uh, Janelle was doing Plexus, I think. Christine and Janelle. They both do Plexus. They're the Plexus twins. Yeah. And Robin's still with Cody. That's an MLM. So. <laughs> right, and Cody is an MLM, so. Yeah. I'll get two wives, and then they'll get two wives, and then we'll start a business. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's how polygamy works. I'll have to ask Ben Brown about the MLM of polygamy when I talk to him. <laughs> I have an opinion on what the MLM of... <laughs> That's a story for a different day. Um, you know, I haven't really dove into the sister wives and I don't I don't know why. A lot of people ask me, like, what do I think because of the connection to Mary and LuLaRoe? And I don't know. I just never have. It's not never been anything that I was super duper interested in. It's again, it goes with the Duggars and the it's like a train wreck that I don't know if I want to watch because I'm like, oh my God, like these people, these poor people. It's different. Yeah. It's different in a different way. And it's it feels like that is too close to like a living museum. Oh God. As opposed to just like a train wreck of like a dating show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I've never done it. I, I'm not opposed to it. I just never have. If you ever get into it, hit me up. I will say that this season of Sister Wives, in my opinion, will go down as one of the great moments in American television. I mean, I have been following this season. This was 16 years of this camera crew waiting for a payoff. And oh, my God, did they get it? There needs to be a Sister Wives like movie documentary that really just cuts it all down and gives us the good stuff. I would watch that. We should be in it. (laughs) And you should be in it. Pitch it. 
and not me because I have no idea. I'd be like, I'm not the person to talk to. Yeah. You can talk about the leggings. <laughs> <laughs> I can give a slight understanding into the leggings empire part. Trust me when I say, Roberta, you know a lot more about Mormon culture than you think you do. Let's say it that way. Yeah, I, it's strange. <laughs> you know, I never... You all have a lot to talk about. I never thought I ever would find myself in this. And, and I never... I have tons of Mormon friends. It wasn't a red flag joining a Mormon company because I was like, oh, I've got Mormon. My best friend's Mormon. Like, no big deal. Like, this is easy. And then getting in and the rhetoric and the belief system and the weaving in of Jesus and the Book of Mormon and reading scripture. And like, it just, it was weird. And it was very, in terms of Scientology and like the bridge to total freedom and like each level get a little bit more access to like top secret stuff. That's also how it was and how it is in MLM because I remember becoming a leader, a, a trainer and hitting the leader status and getting invited to leader things that no one else but leaders could be at. And that's when they would do the indoctrination stuff. That's when they would talk about the Bible or that's, we're just going to do a prayer or I don't want to push my beliefs on you, but this, I feel so strongly called to tell you that's when we got that stuff. And that's when I started feeling really uncomfortable. Cause I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this is not a Saturday night slumber party that I had consented to show up at church in the morning. Like this is you throwing this on me without any warning. And I just was not, it was weird. And it was weird enough that it was like a core memory that I brought it up in Lula Rich to say like he was reading scripture from the Book of Mormon. It was really strange and not question everything and go, wait a second. Why is he quoting the Book of Mormon at a clothing convention? Yeah. What is happening here? But it was very red flag for me. So let's talk about just like, do you guys have any MLM experience did you ever join one did you ever buy from one did you ever i can't remember what it was called but when i was like 19 there was one that was sweeping through my friend group and it was like selling insurance but i don't know if you actually sold insurance or like car insurance primerica it might have been world financial group is another one it sounded legit <laughs> and like the guy's they would show like all of their cash in a picture and be like, I made all this from blah, 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 blah. You need to get in. You need to grind, you, you know, work 110%. And then I remember I gave that guy a ride because clearly he wasn't making enough money for a car. And I was like, so what's the deal with like these, this money? And he's like, well, they make us save all of our money so we can take pictures of it or something like that. And that didn't quite, wasn't a big enough red flag, but like they just stopped talking about it eventually. But it was like, you got to work for me and get into my downline, that kind of shit. So the money that they showed you, though, wasn't the actual money. It was a picture of him holding the money. Yeah. So he's like, here's a picture of me holding money. And this picture of me holding money is proof that this business works. You're supposed to connect those two yeah. in your head. They're hoping your brain will do the work for them. Because the more time you spend asking questions, the more time they have to come up with answers. And that's not what they want. They want you to answer those questions for them. But it's also so interesting that he was so forthcoming with the information when you pressed him. Like, and it was not like, oh, it's the money. You were like, why do you do that? And he's like, oh, they make us save our money so we can take one of those photos. Like, it's almost like the next level on the bridge, right? Like, you join, you start making your money, you save those 20s because you need 2020s. Once you get your 2020s. You move up to the next level and then you get to take a picture of your 2020s and then we're going to send you to the next place. I just remembered one that was really bad. So I used to work at a nursing home, so it's just filled with MLMs. Okay. One of them was the kitchen one, Pampered Chef. Uh -huh. Yeah. And we got invited to make tacos. <laughs> we're having a taco party, guys. Did they charge you to go to the taco party or was it free? 
It was free. Okay. But it was, they were guilting us. I think the ones that have an actual product, like clothing or kitchen supplies, it's worse because then they all justify it by going, well, I only do it so I can get free stuff. You know, it's like, oh, I only sell drugs so I can pay for my portion. Right. <laughs> I have such a habit. I got to sell them now. Yeah. And so that one, it was fine. The tacos were fine. Whatever. I didn't want. It doesn't matter what the product is because you are the product, right? Right. Then we went to one called Wines for Humanity. Oh. And it was a wine tasting party. But but if you buy six company. bottles or whatever amount of bottles, it, the money goes to some nebulous charity and that I always just remember because it was fun to taste the wine and like learn about wine but i knew that it was fucked up and then they like passed around the paper like everybody sign up here and it was the same person it was the same person's house we went to for the well the thing chef. that got me the thing that got me about the wine was i was having that because they'd explain like they did they also the, had cheese so they like... did all the wine stuff they <laughs> did all that they explained robust and dry blah 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 i don't like wine so they would hand me a glass of mm, Ass again. Great. Awesome. Give me the cheese. Can somebody please give me a piece of cheese and a Coca-Cola? I am dying here. They all taste the same and it's not good. And it's also like, yeah, it's my coworkers, but it's also like the boss was there. Yeah. So it's like, I'm already uncomfortable. Like this is 2016. So I got a full face of makeup on. No, I remember telling you that joke when we went to that party because you hated that job. And I was like, technically it's networking. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. See, the one time I almost got roped into one, I got really lucky. And I think it was called College Works. I can't remember. It was like a house painting MLM. It was the strangest thing. And we're like, basically, they were like, we'll teach you how to build a business by doing house painting. You just have to pay for all supplies and give us a cut. But what was funny was I went to this thing and I was like, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to be a shut in. I went, the guy presenting, I had a class with, and he was the stupidest person in that class. And I'm, it was not close. And I was like, <laughs> it was okay. And you're the present. Oh, your picture's on the packet. Okay. All right. Cause I heard the questions you asked the other day in political science and no, I'm good. I'm good. I left. That guy was so dumb. I was, I got lucky. I'm, if somebody smart had been there, I might've been tricked. I got lucky. That you can just paint a house know. for money. That's what I thought later. I was like, why would I? What do they need? I even thought about it later. I was leaving. I was like, what are they going to teach me about painting a house? Just w. Painted in a W. They're like, rollers are good. There's brushes. Uh, paint comes in cans and buckets. You will be paying for the brushes and rollers. Call me crazy. Paint. If I wanted to learn how to paint a house, I would just go on Indeed and like, house painter? <laughs> Look at me, mom, painting houses. Like, I... I don't need to own the house painting company. I don't know how to paint a house. I've never done this. Before. I'm like waiting for the day when there's like a all mow your lawn MLM, you know, because it's like I've seen like the house painting. We've talked about like door to door book sales on this show. There's a couple of these like pest control MLMs that are run like the door to door book sales, but they're selling pest control services. Damn, you can't trust anybody. No, nope. I'm going to tell y'all right now. One of the ones I got sucked into that my grandpa also got me out of R.I.P. Grandpa Bill and it's not an MLM, but it was Geico. Oh. They sure act like one, though. They sure act like one for their little salespeople. I they, have no idea what you're talking about. You, it's a 100% commission job. Geico is? What, Geico? Are you thinking of Aflac? Aflac, okay. No, it's Aflac, sorry. Not the lizard, it's the duck. Five-letter insurance, not Geico. Sorry, Geico. It was Aflac, the duck. Really? Yeah. 
they're not like an MLM. You don't have to pay them, but they're like, it's a 100% commission job. You can make as much as you want. And I'm like, is there a version of this where I work 40 hours and make nothing? And they're like, well, yeah, click. No, I'm not, and that's what my grandpa was like. He's like, you can't live like that, man. Yeah. There's a lot of labor exploitation in a lot of these different things where people don't, especially like with a name like Aflac, like people be like, but there's, they have commercials. Like why they're not going to scam me. I just have to work harder. I just have to like, I just have to knock on more doors and I just need to call more people. And it's obviously my fault. And even though there isn't that team aspect, which adds even more pressure and a cult, it still is that labor exploitation of like, yeah, you could totally work 40 hours and still make nothing. But thanks for getting our name out there. Are there MLMs in other countries? Yeah. Or is this only in America? They're, oh, they go global. everywhere. They go to places where people have never heard of them. That's what they rely yeah. on is you've never having heard of Amway. Absolutely. It's, they want to be the first person to tell you. I would have thought it was like you. an individual, like American thing. No. I mean, it's, Not, I think it's, it's started here, but. Yeah. Origin wise, it's American, but Amway actually had a, quite a bit of a hand in getting China introduced into the World Trade Organization because they wanted a billion people to market Amway to. And they got Amway into China. That's crazy. A billion people, a big portion who'd never heard of them. They had a chance to get into China Absolutely. and completely control the narrative. Because themselves. people are generally very trusting and very nice. And right. we are, you know. Yeah. And that's how they work. That's what they do. Well, I was going to say, it's it's like the snake oil salesman, right? Like you assume when you hear a scam or a snake oil salesman, it's some smarmy guy in like a plaid suit with a curly mustache. that's like, yeah, see, I can change your life. It's not though in an MLM, it's your grandma. It's your best friend. It's your coworker. You already trust these people. You already have been to their houses. You've already had deep conversations. So when they're like, I found this great thing, that whole like skepticism isn't even a factor at all. And you're like, I'm listening. What do you mean? Tell me about your steak knives. Yeah. And we're so in America, it's just so like capitalistic hellscape, you yeah. know, that we put people in these situations where they desperately need money to pay for things mm -hmm. and they get exploited. Well, and I firmly believe what I was saying earlier, because people talk all the time with MLMs like, why aren't these illegal? We know how they work. Why can't we ban this? I have a very particular theory, which is that I think bigger corporations, I mean, the biggest ones like your Amazons, your Walmarts, I think they protect these MLMs because these MLMs let them show them what they can get away with. These MLMs push the boundaries of what legal business is. And Walmart is like, I want to know what I can do. I'm smarter than them. Maybe I can get away with that or something like that. I think they're protected because they're a breeding ground for bad business practice and all the bigger businesses want to know how they operate. Yeah, no, they have a MLMs as an entity. I call them big pyramid. They're right up there. It's $190 billion a year industry. That's more than NFL music and Hollywood combined. Just so you know how big that is. It's humongous. That's crazy. It, they are protected by lobbyists and different political efforts. They have senators that they own. Yep. They know that they can buy votes. 
the, the it's called the Direct Sellers Association or the DSA. It's their lobby. They've got an office right on K Street with everybody else. And they 100% lobby. They got China into the World Trade Organization. They helped deregulate the FDA with D. Shea in 1995 to get supplements like, oh, yeah, you can put anything in a supplement and we won't. The FDA can't really intervene until there's a problem and people are complaining and dying and getting hurt. And then the FDA can say, oh, wait. We can't sell these anymore. And all they have to do is slap a little label that says this is not FDA approved and uh, use caution. I didn't know any of that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, absolutely. MLM was involved in that. Yeah. Orrin Hatch, who was the senator of Utah at the time. Surprise, surprise. He helped get that. Have uh, you ever like given a speech at like for like Congress or something? Okay. You know when they have like they like bring people to testify. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I didn't do it in front of Congress. I did testify against LuLaRoe for the Washington Attorney General's office. I, I was part of that lawsuit. And I've done two different MLM conferences with a group of academic colleagues of mine. One, I talked about like the social media implication of really the anti-MLM movement and how social media is showing up and how people who aren't even in MLMs are speaking out about these different things. And then the other one that I did was the year before. And I talked about the cult aspect of it and the recovery aspect of coming out of these things and and what that looks like. So kind of yes and no. And then also, I think you could do a TED talk. Yeah. And also um, have like an academic thing. We do these meetings of the minds once a month or so with different representatives of consumer advocacy programs. And when we went to our conference last year in DC, we actually, or this year actually, got to meet everybody. We got to meet members of the FTC and, and different other regulatory agencies who are on our side and who want to help us move this forward, change legislation, create better rules, create better wording, make sure that MLM doesn't legislate themselves out of these rules, which is usually what they do. They're like, oh yeah, pass the rule. It's fine. We're just going to make sure MLMs aren't in it. As long as MLMs aren't in it, we don't mind. And so we're the ones there going, no, 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 no. MLMs need to be in it. And here are all the reasons why. It's really difficult. And when we started working with them, they're like, we want you to understand that this is going to take years. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of, we got to wait for this person to say yes. And then when they say yes, and it goes over here, we got to wait for this. And if we want to change a rule, we have to do a proposed rule change. We have to see what people say for that. And then if there's enough this, then we'll go to the next. And I'm just like, oh my God. And they're like, yeah, it's going to take years, years and years and years. And it might not have any outcome at all. But I mean, that's what activism is. That's, you know, if I'm going to talk the talk constantly, I felt like I had to walk the walk a little bit as well. So there is a lot of that kind of stuff that's in there. It's, you know, it's not all just like TikToks and podcast episodes. I mean, obviously it's really fun, but that education and that underlying, hey, this is what's actually really happening. I think as long as people understand like those sort of implications, they're like, oh, it's so much bigger than we thought. It's in every country. It's taking advantage of people all over. There's a lot of third world countries where MLMs come in and they promise like, you know, we're going to help this whole community of people. We're going to get you better access to all of these things. Look at all these great vitamins we're going to give you that you never had before. A lot of like colonization of capitalism, really. It's a very strange new way of You know what I mean? Like they're not proselytizing Jesus. I mean, they might be. They're not like Jesus can save you. They're like, check out these vitamins. These vitamins will be great for you in your culture that doesn't have this sort of thing. And and a lot of Asian communities get like especially like the Philippines get really, really, really taken advantage of by these multi-level marketing schemes because the U.S. has made them, quote, legal that they're able because yeah. the US is sort of like hey they're the ones that are making the rules and if they say we can do it we we're going to do it and really take advantage of a lot of a lot of people 
Well, and they train you all, as I recall. Like they they know, and these companies, you don't become a hundred and ninety billion dollar industry if you don't know what you're doing. Absolutely, that's the point there too. And so they know that, like, because I know that a lot of the training would be like there's specific trainings for if you send a message to someone who already knows our product and doesn't like us or doesn't understand us. It's like they know that there's resistance coming. That it's a lot easier to just go where there isn't resistance than it is to topple the resistance of you know because now that it's out in the U.S. and people tend to be more wise to it. We've been dealing with it for years and everybody has somebody they know who got screwed over by one. It's it's just like we talked about with evangelicalism in the Midwest. In the U.S. anymore, I think you're never more than one degree of separation from somebody who lost money on an MLM. Absolutely. And so they're like, we can make a lot of money in countries where ain't nobody lost money yet. They'll lose money soon enough. But they haven't yet. Well, and yeah, so, and they leave town before it catches up to them. We get to tell you who Amway is, and by the time you figure out what it really is, we're already gone. Yeah, yeah. By the time you hear from the haters, you're like, where was this content six months ago? I was like, it was here. You just were told not to listen to it. It was actively suppressed. Yeah, it was actively suppressed. Roberta's a hater. Like, the amount of times that I've had, like, companies just know that I'm the bad guy. I've been covering this, like, MLM debit card thing, transact card. It's like a debit card that you connect to your bank account. And then every time you swipe, you get like a shroot buck to spend in their, their Stanley nickel <laughs> store. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. And so I'm like, don't connect a scam to your bank account. Are you crazy? Like, don't do that. It's not smart. The screenshots that we've seen is a lot of Costco overstock, like very GTM. I don't know if you guys have GTMs, but it's very like Marshall's. There's a lot of Macy's stuff that's just like old season stuff and they're selling it and they're selling it more than what you can buy on eBay. But they're like, well, I'm saving because I'm using my shroot bucks. And I'm like, you're, but you're not because you're spending extra money to get extra shroot bucks to spend on the stuff in the store. You don't, you don't need a floral tank top. You don't. It's wild. And I've had people come to my videos and they were like, my team sent this to me because they told me you were a hater. And I came here and you're wrong. You have a lot of misinformation. You're not sharing. And I'm like, you guys are sharing my videos internally. Okay. <laughs> like nothing screams. I'm not a scam than trying to debunk the person who's calling you a scam. <laughs> nothing screams. I'm a pyramid scheme. Like teaching people what to say when someone asks if you're a pyramid scheme. I love the idea though, of like someone sneaking onto your show and being like, you're actually really misinformed. And I'm like, you being like, oh, I'm about to ruin your entire world. I'm very sorry. I don't want to do this. I'm sorry for world's most one-sided fist fights. I'm about to make you question reality, but okay, we'll do this now. Yeah, that's actually what happened was this one man who had a, he claims he has a big hefty team for this company. He wouldn't leave me alone. Like he was just mass spamming in the comments. Like, you know, you guys are popular on TikTok. You know, yeah. it goes fast over on the notifications. Like I miss a lot of things because there's yeah. likes and follows or whatever. I opened up the app and it was a wall of his face. Commented, 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 yep. commented, commented, replied, replied, replied. He was replying to everybody that had commented on a video that was months and months old of things that had changed since I had made oh, it. Oh, yeah. So he's like, she's wrong. It's not like this anymore. This isn't how it's. And I was like, here's the attention you obviously want. I made a video. He like went off. He was like, unhinged guy here. And he just was harassing people. And I literally was like, I'm so sorry if you've been harassed by this person. And he went on for probably a week harassing me until he eventually blocked me. It was very strange. And I wasn't even responding to him. I was just like, okay, 
block me. And the reason I don't block people, <laughs> this is unless you're gross, then I will. But the reason I don't block people, especially if they're in an MLM, is they might not need me now, but when they do, I'd like to still be available to them. Yeah. And that's happened before. People will block me and then they unblock me and they're like, you were right. But I hate to be right about this stuff. I don't want people to lose money. I don't want people to go down these rabbit holes and lose their sanity and lose their family. So many horrible things. I've, I've heard the worst of the worst of the worst. And it's not like I'm just a hater who's like, I got burned. I've heard way worse stories than mine, way more lost money, way more horrific things that have happened to people, to their safety and to their ability to function as they did previously, that I'm like, this is so much bigger than me. This is so much bigger than selling people a debit card or protein shakes. Like this really hurts people. And I really wish people could see all of the implications. And, you know, that's why we make content. That's why you guys make content. You want to show people the worst of the worst. Yeah, sure. Yeah, God is great. God is good. But also God can be manipulated to the point that it is detrimental. I Yes, and I agree. I think that we, I mean, we talk about with Fundy Fridays, one of the things we say is that we see the best and worst of Christianity in our work. And I think that, I know it's probably hard to be like the best and worst of MLMs, but I mean, at well, the, the same but, time, I mean, it's people, the, their hope, their desire, the drive, gonna say. watch them. You had fun at these conferences. You made lifelong friends. Like, and when you were making money, it was awesome. Same thing, like people like the community of church. They like, you know, helping others. They like the happy yep. feelings they yep. get when they're connecting with God. And then just like an MLM, people find that and they they abuse it. They take their love of God and they spiritually abuse them. And they take that your financial situation and exploit it. And it's just... It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very similar. It's so similar. And I've gotten some pushback this year where people are like, I feel like you're doing a lot of episodes on Christianity. And I wish you'd get back to MLM and I get it. But for me, Christianity or even religion in general has such a strong influence within MLM, specifically because a lot of the fundamental communities, women don't work. They get married. They're literally raised and bred to be wed. And then once they're wed, they become a mother immediately. They start popping out babies and daycare is very expensive. So they have to stay home because they don't want the women to work. They want the women to be the homemaker. The husband goes and provides and the woman stays home and takes care. If you want to be a trad wife, then that's your own thing, right? But because of that, because of having to stay home and because of the cost of inflation and because one income isn't really that great, you have to scrimp and save more than you need to with one income, providing a second income that you can do from home, that you can have, oh, you don't have friends, you don't have money, you don't have cute stuff. I can solve all three of those problems with one answer. What? I've been asking God every day for a solution to my problems. And what? I run into you at the store and you are the answer to my prayers. You have all it. It is so woven together that it is a disservice to my listeners, to the people who are in these spaces, who don't already know, who don't already connect, who don't already go, this is just like this. It is a disservice to those people who are still learning. Some of us that are listening to this show right now are in a completely different chapter or a completely different book in the series. Some of us that are listening right now left MLM yesterday and don't know those things that we're talking about. Some people don't start from episode one. Some people start from the newest one and they're listening. And this is the first episode of this show that they've heard and they're connecting things and they're going, oh my God, yes. And so I know sometimes it's a little repetitive. We talk about, you know, I like to branch out, but it is so unbelievably 
intersected and woven together that it has to be talked about. It just has to be. That's what happened with us in politics. Yeah, that was well. And I mean, we talk about, you know, similar to like in the beginning, people were telling us like when it was small and Jen was doing it on her own, you know, people would be like, oh, it's been really nice. You know, this is a support during my deconstruction that Mm -hmm. was already in place. And as we got bigger, I started seeing people telling us that we were at the beginning of that deconstruction. And it was very strange because we were used to people kind of already knowing that stuff when mm-hmm. they got here. Like, we didn't want to say, like, it's required reading, but we are used to everyone having already <laughs> read this book. So, yeah. you know, like, so that's what it was. And you do kind of change because you, as you see your mission grow, you know, and that's the thing, too. Like, you spend all this time researching these things that you thought you knew. And every day you're surprised or every day you find a new piece of information that throws everything you thought you knew into question. It's so true. And I would have never, I would have never connected with any of this. I would have never asked those questions had I not had so much repetitive content where people are, it kept coming up. Because a lot of times when I talk to victims, I'll say, tell us where you were, what your vulnerability was. Yeah. When this came into your life, like what caused you to say, yeah, this is the good idea. Mm-hmm. And so many people were like, I was lost. I I just broken up with somebody or I was living on my own for the first time, or I had just moved out to another place. I didn't have a church. I didn't have a community. I didn't have friends. And it's so important to talk about these things, even if it is repetitive, because again, like there's going to be somebody listening who maybe the first eight times I said it, they're like, whatever, I don't get it. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, Mm -hmm. what? I finally get it. There it is. And so I just tell people, I'm like, if you don't want to hear another evangelical story, just skip this. I'll see you next week. Like, it's okay. It's going to come up again, but it's okay to not connect with every episode. (laughs) It's going to come. It's going to always come up now because it's been brought up. It will always come up. And it's like, yeah, maybe you don't want to hear me do these episodes, but think about why. Yeah. I keep drawing this parallel over and over. Right. Maybe there's something in that. I know I've had like opinions on certain things. And when I hear the opposite, I get that like gnawing feeling in my stomach and I'm like, It starts to hit me. I'm like, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not ready to accept that. And then I start listening more and I'm like, okay. And then you finally hit, you're like, okay, I was wrong. And that's okay. Because a lot of other people are wrong too. And I just feel like it's like when people get mad about shiny, happy people, or maybe your podcast and they start to say stuff like you're attacking Christianity. It's because they think you're attacking them because they don't know how to separate that just yet, you know, or like they know something's gnawing at them. And that's why, especially like we try to reiterate over and over on our channel. We don't dislike Christianity. We don't dislike Christians. Mm -hmm. It's this other stuff. But if you're having that bad feeling, maybe it's for a reason. And so I feel like it's like that with the people that are like, no, this MLM isn't like that. It isn't like that. And it's like, they know something's wrong, but it's so embarrassing. It's humbling. It fills you with anxiety to think that you could possibly be wrong or that you're in over your head. And now you have to ask for he- asking for help is harder than quitting the MLM. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just so it's just humbling. And people just aren't ready for that because of all the stuff that's associated with it. You know, because mm-hmm. now they're like, I got to fix my financial situation. My friends are mad at me. And it's just like the sunk cost fallacy, I think is why most people stay in M- MLMs is that they're like, I've already come this far. This has to be for something because it does suck because a lot of times, yeah, it was for nothing. You just got ripped off and that's very unfair. And we're going to fucking fight like hell against this machine. But you got to admit that something's off. You yeah, know? exactly. And I just wanted to go along with that and talk about Something you'd said too, Roberto, about like people thinking, oh, this is the gift from God I've been asking for. This is that. 
the most insidious part of it to me is the way MLMs are structured. That person thinks they're a blessing from God to you. Everyone here is in agreement. This yeah. is a good thing. The only people who know that a scam is happening are in an office miles away, just scraping profits off the top and never having to talk to these people they hurt. And that's why these people, there are two true believers who think this is good. I'm going to help you and you're going to help me. And the only person we helped is some dude in an air conditioned office that we'll never see who will never care about us. Yeah, who's pyramid number one, who's getting all the bonuses of everybody underneath him. It's insidious. And the similarities are everywhere. And so, yeah, you know, like comparing things, comparing Scientology to Christianity, comparing Christianity to an MLM, comparing an MLM to Scientology. Like all of a sudden people are like, oh, it's so much more similar than I thought it was. That's just like how they do this. That's just like how it was when I did this. And I really want to kind of, for me, I'm like, here is this beautiful bit of water and here is a cup. If you want to have some, it's so good. We made it delicious for you and we are providing clean cups and you can drink it or not. I'm not going to hold your head under the water. I'm not going to force you to drink it, but I'm going to try to provide it in a way that is enjoyable, which I think you guys do too. Like James, you saying that a lot of people say that you're the first step in their deconstruction. It makes complete sense to me because the same thing happens to me too. We're the foyer. We're funny. We're nice. We allow for nuance. We allow to have conversations. We can say, oh, that's an interesting perspective. Why do you think that? Or why does that make you feel that way? And to have these conversations, it's a safe place. We add a lot of value by adding comedy because in those moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. If we can make a joke and you can laugh instead, then you're like, okay, I'm with my people. That's how you build resilience. Yep. Absolutely. I got this little like therapy sheet for my therapist and that's one of the things. Have a good sense of humor about it. Absolutely. Have a great sense of humor about it. I did dumb things. We all do dumb things. We all get to make jokes about it and have a good time. And I think it really creates this beautiful safe space of people going, oh, I have a story too. Like, okay, now that we're talking about the dumb things we've done and I want to tell you my dumb thing or I want to tell you the thing I got sucked into or the way that I did. And it's just, it comes really natural. And all of a sudden people who have battled, whether it's their own deconstruction, their own religious trauma, or whether it's an MLM or whatever it is, they're given this platform, whether it's the comment section or whether they're sitting across from me like this, or you guys to have a conversation and to tell their story authentically in their own words in a safe place that they feel protected. And you get the best stories because people feel like, okay, I wasn't going to say this, but uh, okay, I'm going to tell you this story. And you get these really great stories that you never would have heard of before that they think are minuscule and nothing. But to somebody listening, all of a sudden they're like, oh, that happened to me. I have the same story. And you're able to connect in all of these little like nooks and crannies. You know what I mean? It's just such a beautiful place and I'm so happy to hear that you guys are kind of the foyer of people deconstructing from fundamentalism as well and kind of figuring out where to go from there, you know? Yeah, I think you're also like us where like you didn't expect that to happen. No. But now you're like this is amazing. This is a blessing. Like I'm glad people feel comfortable enough to share these things with us. Absolutely. I can't even tell my favorite kind of email to get is the one that's like I used to hate you. I blocked you on everything. You were so and I would unblock you sometimes I just check them. <laughs> and it's just like that girl, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And then all of a sudden one day you talk about something and I connected. And then I, mm -hmm. I'm sitting in mm -hmm. that seed inside is just taking root. Yep. Yep. And then they say, and I just wanted to let you know that I quit my MLM and I wanted you to be the first person to know. And I'm just like, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I cry and I go, I cannot believe that this is happening right now. And people that are like, I'm in an MLM. 
I'm listening to you. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're 100% right, but I can't get out because it's my entire life. What do I do? How do I take the first step toward getting out? It's probably going to take me a year to get out, but how do I do that? And even having those conversations, because it's not black and white, leaving Christianity is not black and white. Deconstructing is not black and white. It is everybody has a different experience. Everybody has a different journey. And the nicer we can be to the people in the places we've already been to help them achieve the peace they're looking for. I, I just, it's so important. It's so valid and it, it's fundamental really. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it really is. And I'm, I'm so proud of you guys for, for how your channel has grown and you've well, thank got you. all this thank cool so stuff much. going on. Like where can everybody who has just enjoyed this conversation so much, where can everybody find you? I'm Fundy Fridays on everything. He's James Fundy Fridays. That's easy. Yeah. I'll throw all the links to all of that in the show notes so people can just click and follow. You guys are fantastic. At the very end, I do these little rapid fire questions. Okay. You, you don't have to be rapid, but we'll let both of you decide. We're going to talk about fundy. This all fundy themed. All so right. That you don't have to like, but we're, we're going to do one MLM question. So, okay. One MLM question. Everything else fundy. Okay. Give me a word. And Jen, you can go first. Ladies first. <laughs> Jen can go first. And then James after. Give me a word that encompasses how you feel about fundamentalist Christianity. Scared. Malignant. <laughs> Malignant. Okay. Damn. All right. Give me a warning to somebody who is thinking about joining a fundy organization, church, group, something like that. I don't know. Watch my channel instead. <laughs> Spend that time that you were going to go to church, hang out with me. I got one for them. Okay. okay. I know what they're telling you. I know what they're saying to you. They're telling you things that make that loneliness and that fear and that inat those feelings of inadequacy. They're telling you things that make those go away for a little while. Oof. What they're not telling you is that you're going to demand more of you to get that same feeling over and over. They're going to make you turn your life into something they want it to be. And for some people, they seem to love that. I'm not one of them. But remember that people can lie to you. And remember that confidence and expertise and authority are not the same thing. People can say very dumb things with the utmost confidence. Here's the MLM one. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I will say, oh, well, I'm, ladies first, I'm supposed to let you go because I got an opinion now. Any of the ones with oils, with essential oils. Yeah, solid. Because people do those instead of medical care. You took yeah. my answer. That was the one I was going to go with. Anything you ingest. I don't know. <laughs> so what I would say is, I, I don't know if it's the worst one, but the one MLM product that made me feel a deeper cynicism than any I've ever seen before or since was the first time I ever saw the phrase keto coffee. <gasps> the moment I saw keto coffee from It Works, I went, they're just mocking us now. They're just seeing what they can get away with because that's what, uh, that's like, it's like vegan celery. That's you are, <laughs> you are relying on people not doing a single Google search and somehow you still got a factory's worth of this stuff to sell and you sold it. Yeah. That's the one that killed my faith in humanity more than anything else I've seen them do. It works as a nasty one. They, well, and that's why I made the celery joke. They have a product called, just celery and it is literally like a 60 dollars tub 
of powdered celery so that you can rehydrate it and drink celery juice. I'm like, a package of fresh celery is not even a dollar. And you don't even get the crunch. <laughs> celery brings one thing to the party. It's crunch. Is Sensi an MLM? Sensi is yeah. an MLM. Well, damn. I, will I don't say, have any. I just, what is, they I, were selling it a lot at my old workplace. I think it's called Osborne. They sell books. Usborn. Usborn. Yes. That one worries me because that's the one I see get a pass more than any other. Even the people who don't like MLMs are like, okay, it's children books. I'm like, no, the mechanism is bad. So the whole thing is bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yeah. 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 Usborn books. Yeah. I think they're called paper pie books now. Paper pie now. Paper huh? pie. Okay. Sure. If there's one thing MLMs love to do, it's like rebrand, re- rename and relaunch. It's their fake mustache hat. Yeah. Like every time they get back in line to get a free cocktail weenie. <laughs> what do you mean? We're different now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not us. Did the last guy have a monocle? We don't have a monocle, so it's not us. <laughs> oh so man. What is the hardest lesson that you have learned diving into fundy shit? Oh my God. I don't know. What? <laughs> the hardest lesson I've learned. That's a tough one. I would say something like I had to learn to be confident in my beliefs and who I am to withstand the, the haters. But that's a life lesson I can use in any realm, even outside of YouTube. I need to know that for me. I think one thing you learn is, you know, we joke about how like learning that there is merit in some of this stuff. And I think it's important when you're able to look at a book like The Strong-Willed Child and read it and be like, okay, objectively speaking, I don't disagree with this paragraph. So why do we agree here? And how are they branching it out this way when I would branch it out that way? And we joke a lot, like one thing we'll say is that there are certain phrases in fundamentalist Christian culture that we can't replicate. We unironically use the phrase season of life now. We stole that from fundamentalist Christians. That is theirs. There is no better word to describe that feeling than the one they came up with. And I can say, I get why people like you. I get why people are into this. I just don't agree. No, I'm right there with you. Like, I totally get it. And I'm also the same. I'm like, I just, I'm a jam. The last question, we like to finish on a positive. So give me a positive takeaway from your time creating fundy content. (sighs) The Genonites. The Genonites. They're why I do what I do. And we have had the pleasure of meeting several of them. And there's no other feeling like it of like, a stranger being like, you've changed my life. I love your content. And like just seeing their faces light up. It's like, Oh, oh, I'm somebody special to these people. It's like crazy. It's awesome. Like, Oh yeah. I would say the positive I've learned from this content, deconstructors are going to save this planet. They're going to save the world. I'm teared up. They're just, I have never met a population of people. So caring, so empathetic, with so much passion to save the world and the tools to do it. That's what freaks me out about them. So love them to death. The deconstructors. Yeah, I love that. And for anybody who's like, what the hell's a Genonite? A Genonite (laughs) is is what they call their fans. It's a play on Mennonite, but in Jen's name. So Genonite is what was what she said for anybody going, wait, what? You need to watch the show. You'll get it. Check them out on YouTube. It just takes one video and you'll be hooked, I promise. You're going to have a good time. We've made some good stuff, some informative stuff. And yeah. 
If you haven't discovered us, you got a good long marathon ahead of you. You're going to have a great time. That's what I'll say. Seriously, everybody <laughs> yeah. who like reaches out to me and says, I finished your show. Now what? Go check them out because it's great. It's fantastic. It's hilarious. <laughs> Thank, it's you. Addicting. Thank you. It's so addicting. I, I don't even watch content. I don't have the time, but I like to tune in and check you guys out because you're hilarious. I just really, really love it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Finally, even in this, when the powers that be tried to shut my Wi-Fi off and get us to stop talking uh-huh we still survive that's mm. spiritual warfare they're not gonna keep us away from the icon of anti-mlm <laughs> they're not gonna keep us away from each other yeah and you're mm. such an inspiration and you're a good advocate and you're yep. like this fucking Thank you. you're now a girl boss you're the Woo! <laughs> you're like <laughs> ironically in throwing rocks at lularoe you yep. have become what they told you you would be the whole time there we go full circle moment <laughs> mm. uh. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciated this. Yeah, we'll come back anytime. Yep, we'll be, not the last time we'll be here. <laughs> yeah, let me know, guys, that are listening. What do you want to know? What do you want to talk about? We will make as much content as you need and want because we yeah. that's what we do and we love it. Thank you guys so much. This was really, really, really fun. Thank, thank you. you. Likewise, this was excellent. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast or visit our website at lifeaftermlmpod.com. Life After MLM is produced by Roberta Blevins. Audio editing is done by the lovely Kayla Craven. Video editing by the indescribable RK Gold. And Michelle Carpenter is our triple Emerald Princess of Robots. If you have a story about a cult, fraud, scam, or MLM and want to be on the show, please hit us up. We would love to help you tell your story and start your healing journey in Life After MLM. See you next time, Hans.